everyone. Fantastic to be on another episode of Words, Images, and Worlds, Talking Comics, Talking Comics, with uh, comics creator, in this case, Nick Capone. Nick, Hi, thank guys. you so much for jumping in. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. I, I'm a big book fan. I'm a book aficionado, so I have to ask about the the editions that are currently kind of to the side of you there. Are those reference materials? Well, are those... So. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot. It's a little bit of everything. Um, I do have a lot of reference material, but um, I have like a little manga bookshelf. So um, nice. a little bit about me, like growing up. Obviously, I was introduced to mainstream comics, DC, Marvel, but I was a huge manga fan. I was a huge into anime. So uh, it holds a special place in my heart. Um, I also have... Uh, few uh omnibus i'm also an omnibus collector uh like a phrase but uh i do collect a few things i collect um this one in particular i I really love his name is dan brereton uh people people who know dan they know him from throw killer batman Mm -hmm. or his um indie comic nocturnals uh definitely um in my top five arsenal of like favorite artists uh but yeah i collect a lot of art books a lot of reference material um it's just easy access especially at my desk like my cintiq is over here and so if i need to revert to something i'm just like like i just <laughs> is like i just grab it from that shelf but uh nice. yeah i do have a lot it's, I, I it's it's getting too full though so i'm debating on getting another shelf because yeah. i have to like I, I want to continue my collection. <laughs> I also have like a couple long boxes behind me, the the little black boxes over here. Yeah, uh, stacked yeah. with comics. So it's 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 getting a little cluttered. <laughs> nice, nice. As it as it should, as is the life. Um, clutter with books is a great thing. I thought those were some manga spines. That's uh, part yeah. of what inspired me to ask. And this this one in particular, you might see is um Claymore. If anyone's familiar, if you're familiar, yes, yeah, basically, uh-huh. basically the best way I describe it to people, it's basically a female led berserk. That's that's mm-hmm. basically what Claymore is. It's really great if you haven't read it. It's a uh, very uh, it's a very good read, and the anime is pretty good as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And Dan Brereton was on an episode uh, over the summer, I think, or the really? early fall. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, it was great to talk with him. And you you see his style and you instantly know it's like, oh, that's that's Dan Brereton. Yeah, it's it's very distinct. And I'm a huge fantasy buff. So mm-hmm. um, even with his mainstream comic book work, uh, you could tell stylistically his work does have like a nice nod to classic illustration like retro fantasy illustration from like the 80s and the 90s so um that's why i really love his stuff i i collect all of his art books i back all of his kickstarters he's he's definitely a favorite of mine um i got a true i made it moment one day would be to have him work on a cover for a book that i'm on oh yeah that would be like a that would be like a pure like I did it. Like, hey, look, mom, <laughs> I made it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, now you have been a cover artist as well, which mm-hmm. is no small thing. You've you've worked on covers for Dynamite, for Source Point. Mm-hmm. Um, so curious about those steps from like being a reader to uh, how you've journeyed to creating. Yeah. So, um, 
so for those companies, I'm actually the colorist on those covers. So I'm a colorist mm-hmm. by trade, but um, I have done covers like full process as well. But um, it, it kind of, it, it just, you know, as a kid, I was really obsessed with comics. Like it, it was kind of, I guess you can consider it escapism uh, as what many kids experience with like fantasy and comics. And um, it came to a certain point where it consumed my life to the point where I wasn't really displaying interest, particularly in anything else. Like I was a very uh, basic uh, average student uh, grade wise not nothing that would get me to like the prestigious schools and um I never really were was into sports or extracurricular activities I was always reading comics drawing mini comics I was drawing all day I would draw in my notebooks and then go home and work on a project that I wanted to work on uh so pretty much art consumed my life since a very young age and it really wasn't until I was about want to say 13 years old where I I knew I wanted to do go into that field and at that point I was like oh, whatever like as long as I'm involved with the industry that's that was my goal um it wasn't until probably the end of my third year at the Joe Kubert school uh, that I realized that I wanted to pursue being a colorist because when I was going in uh, my first year, I uh, I wanted to pursue penciling. That was like the that was the big thing. And to this day, ultimately my my roots are definitely penciling. Um, but when I was a third year, I, I was I, I had to be like a little realistic with myself because. Um, it, I felt my artwork, like I, I went down the list. So I asked myself the question, uh, if I were to break into the mainstream tomorrow, what would be the most practical spot for me? Mm-hmm. So I was going down the list and I was like, pencil, I could pencil, but I don't think at the time it would have gotten me a lot of work. Inks, I'm not an inker. I can ink, I just would rather watch paint dry <laughs> and usually that's like the most fun for a lot of the creators the inking part i i hate inking um but and then lettering i had my lettering instructor a uh, high eisman legendary letterer for popeye cats and jammer kids he um told me right early on that lettering i was not lettering I was not a letterer. I was, it was not in my, it was not in my arsenal of things I was capable of doing. So really that left uh, coloring and writing, which at the time I felt writing wasn't also my strong point. I grew into liking writing, but coloring was definitely my strong point. So I, I kind of, what I was telling, because I teach at the Cupid School too, so I, I would oh, tell my goodness. students, yeah, yeah, I would teach, I would tell my students, like, I, I basically had to reroute three years of education and kind of reteach myself and focus on one thing, and that was coloring, and I was doing, uh, at the very, at, for the first year of trying to break in as a colorist, uh, I was just asking around colleagues, classmates of mine, friends of mine 
just give me inked pages and I'll color them. Don't worry about paying me. Just, I need samples for my portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, and then it morphed into something and people started catching on and wow, then you started seeing me getting commissioned for color commissions and like prints for shows. I briefly worked with an art agent and then, um, then I started, uh, I, then I hit my very first issue. Uh, it was a very, it was an indie book, very short lived book, but it was a, um, indie project. And that was my first big issue. And then, yeah, everything, was history from there it, it just started uh becoming more of a reality for me and like I said looking back I uh, I never thought I would have gotten this far in the industry when I was a little kid but I ideally this is the dream I wanted to live uh and right. I was like you know seven eight years old nice nice yeah. living the dream mm-hmm. living the dream Love it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about purity because yeah. I know that's that's out there in the world of Kickstarter mm-hmm. and uh, curious about what you would want to share with listeners about that book. And, and okay. you mentioned writing and creating. So uh, the kinds of stories that you're especially drawn to. OK, well, um, purity is um, what I like to call a textbook style bad girl book, um, mm-hmm. you know, for whoever's listening, if you're not familiar with bad girl books, uh, basically it was a very prominent genre in the nineties, technically dated back even to like the mid sixties of Vampirella, but uh, basically the nineties kind of revolutionized this genre. And basically you had lady death, uh, Evangeline, you had she by Billy Tucci, you had uh, uh dark child. And then of course the more, mainstream character when image was out was witchblade that was considered mm-hmm. another bad girl basically um yeah it, it's a book that definitely caters around the tna like sexy female uh but there's obviously more substance to that obviously it's a story the good storytelling mm-hmm. usually from what i've noticed with bad girl books they're very fantasy oriented so usually the character is either like a magic user or like a crime fighter in either a fantasy world or like a few, like there's just something that's just in the fantasy realm. Um, So with purity, knowing that like being a fan of the bad girl genre for, since I was 13 years old, I knew I wanted to have a character in that world. And I've actually had purity, uh, in my mind and just I I I originally drew uh I drew her back when I was 14 years old. So oh, I'm wow. 28 now. So it, it's been 14 years in the making. So um I, I basically pure my my new version, my current version of purity that I launched, uh it starts off uh, in the Salem Witch Trials. So if you're a fan of witches and uh, heaven and hell, uh, this book is for you. Uh, it starts off with our main protagonist. Uh, her name is Margaret Adams, who later on goes by Purity. Uh, and she is framed for a crime she hasn't committed. And it was very common, obviously, in that time with witches and like witchcraft. And she was framed by her sister, Mary, who's the actual witch. Uh, and uh, 
basically it was a blood oath to Satan. So uh, Purity was accused of killing an infant. Uh, but what Purity doesn't realize is that that was part one of this blood oath to take effect. Mm -hmm. And this blood oath would grant immortality and beauty to whoever uh, calls upon Satan and does the deed. Um, the second part of this blood oath was um, Mary, the sister, had to uh, swap her soul with the soul of a virgin. So that's why she accused her sister of witchcraft and got her hanged and killed for no reason. And that's why uh, Margaret went down to the underworld and not to heaven because the soul was already claimed by Satan. And uh, so ye five, four or 500 years passed uh, down the underworld and Margaret Adams, who goes by purity now, has been an underworld slave. She's been abused, starved, um, you know, lashed and like tortured uh, for 500 years, all under the roof of Satan. And she real, but she, in the process of that, she is also the shining light of the underworld because she was always helping her colleagues. She was always, um, you know, tending to in, um, injuries of her fellow uh, workers. And she's always like taking care of people before herself. And that's kind of why she got the name purity by her uh, fellow friends, because she her soul is just too pure to be down there until one day she really had it and uh, she realizes that she hasn't seen her sister and it's been over four or five hundred years and uh, when she starts to realize what actually happened she made it her duty to um, seek revenge but also uh, that's one part of the theme of purity the other part is redemption so she wants to redeem herself she wants to bring her sister back down under while hopefully in the process receiving salvation and go to heaven so it's really just to clear her name and uh she basically pulls if you ever seen uh, that adam sandler movie little nikki mm -hmm. uh, if she basically pulls that where she escapes through the gates of hell which is this this fiery portal and since she's such a pure soul it froze the gates mm. and uh it froze the gates to where no new souls can enter and fuel satan's power so but period doesn't realize that and uh so satan is mad and she could send bounty hunters up there and she does because she already claimed their souls but uh she has her she needs purity back down otherwise she's going to slowly deteriorate and she's going to become weaker and weaker and weaker so um there's a lot of different layers to it uh and it leads into like the second issue where uh purity is on the hunt for her sister but she doesn't realize that she's also being hunted at the same time so uh there's a lot of uh key factors going in there another thing i should mention too with issue one of purity when she returns back to salem massachusetts mm -hmm. it's a little different from when she first started uh it's actually salem 2096 so it's in the yeah. far future uh and it's she's been enslaved for like i said over 500 years so there's there's kind of like a barrier of like culture and like 
she there's like social cues that she's probably not getting because you know if you put a puritan next to a modern day person obviously they're probably not going to really understand like some of the you know little you know slang and lingos that are upon them that's always like uh, so there's going to be like that little barrier there uh she meets some friends along the way and she also uh you know she does a lot of home like um wholesome things as well like she helps this like homeless family she like she does like a lot of kind acts while she's up there but like i said all while being hunted so uh like i said i i want this to be a, a textbook style bad girl book so i've done my homework or i mean all the I've, I've collected a lot of bad girl material over the years but uh i reverted back to like the ogs so like um lady death was a huge inspiration um obviously which blade uh if you're familiar with jim ballant uh his mm-hmm. book tarot which of the black rose uh definitely had that witchy influence so um i, I was definitely studying um the genre a lot because the way i describe it to people there's a lot more to it than boobs mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yes you want that uh sword maiden sexy character but um, I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine today about it, where um, what really makes a bad girl book stand out from the rest is the substance. And I think that's why Lady Death did so well. Like Lady Death, in my opinion, um, really set the bar for bad girl books. And mm-hmm. even to this day, if you go on Kickstarter, a, a Brian Polito Kickstarter funds on the low end, like 400 grand. And on yeah. the high end, I've seen the fund almost 800 grand for a single issue of Lady Death. So uh, th- it was an everlasting impact. Uh, but what you notice with Lady Death is um, it's the TNA is always there. That's that's a given in this genre. But uh, there's substance there. There's a uh, character growth. There's um, new worlds, new the like, captivating characters. You know, there is a a common not not just like a common goal, but there's just like a goal because uh, usually, and, and this is not really directed towards anyone in particular, but uh, there are some bad girl books I read over the years where they they kind of fall through by issue three. There's no point to the plot. Uh, really what the creator is doing is solely relying on the, you know, my character's hot. (laughs) That's, that's, they're kind of, they're trying to salvage that every single issue. And I think the problem is when they made the character initially, they wanted a basic plot because they thought that the looks would compensate for everything else. But then when they're putting out all these issues and the story starts to decline, you're going to be noticing that, you know, even your readership will decline. No one would like read anymore. So uh, I I always try and tell people that bad girl comics, good bad girl comics are um, a little more than just the the TNA. Like, yeah, you have the sexy character, but what are you going to do with that sexy character? That's what I tell people. So um, there's a lot more to it. Yeah, yeah, there's that hero's journey. And uh, and as you were saying, that road to redemption, I I love stories that center around that and that Mm -hmm. use science fiction and fantasy elements Mm -hmm. to to do some interesting things. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was, (laughs) I think like 
obviously I was a history buff growing up as well. So this, there's something so fascinating about the Salem witch trials to me, like early American civilization. But um, before I really got into comics as a kid, what really drew me in were um, I would come home from kindergarten, first grade, things like every Wednesday night, they had Hercules and then Xena warrior mm-hmm. princess right next to it. And I was, obsessed with those shows i would and and i remember i would just get like pieces of printer paper and i would just draw the characters as i as i would watch it and uh that definitely was like my gateway to like uh fantasy and uh so like i and i think over time it made me realize that uh we were always like show like uh, we were always um exposed to superhero comics and like mm-hmm. but like i never realized until maybe like my early teens that you know that's not the only genre in comics like there are fantasy comics there are sci-fi comics there are like so many different genres so i started leaning more to like elf quest and i was um reading lady death there was a lot of fantasy oriented books even with manga like uh one of my favorite anime growing up was Record Record of Lotus War. It's basically just Dungeons and Dragons, but anime form. It, it's it's amazing. But uh, I always definitely had that uh, that uh, special closeness to fantasy, and so uh, even to this day, um, even if I work on like a superhero book or if I put out a superhero character. There is like a, a fantasy, there will always be like a fantasy element, mm-hmm. uh, especially with, uh, I do this book for Sinopa Publishing called Reign of Ages. And I think I actually have a copy right here. Mm-hmm. So um, this is, I created this character, Rain. She's awesome. Uh, awesome. With, with Sam Quentin and it's a black and white book. So it's a nod to ElfQuest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, it like, all elves, badass elves, lots of violence, um, you know, and the character, she's very heroic. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the thing that differentiates her in purity, per se, uh, is that while the violence is not skimped out in either story, um, Rain, I would say, is a little bit more of a lighthearted character mm-hmm. compared to purity, because obviously environmentally, too, it's heaven and hell, darker scene, like darker imagery so um they're they're a little different but yeah. rain was definitely my gate like my my um my debut working in the bad girl scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've worked on uh, a book called bad girl so this is this is a yeah. genre that is uh near and dear to your creating mm-hmm. absolutely and uh yeah like i was uh asked by uh, a good friend of mine his name is justin hunt and uh he was doing a cover for bad girl and he was like, you want to work on this cover? I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, he gives me like a lot of cool, uh, gigs that I work on. Um, we just wrapped up this one cover for a a book called war angel. And, uh, it was really cool. It was, uh, like a indigenous, uh, character, but she's in like a hunter's lounge and there's like uh these heads on plaques and she's just chilling there with like her rifle right next to her. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a fun cover. Um he also has a book called Ninja Witch that I'm coloring as well. 
and uh that's a really cool uh character it's uh basically it, it it's the title is as literal as it gets it's a it's a ninja who's also a sorceress and uh she basically travels through time and it's re it's really interesting and i had a lot of fun coloring that but uh yeah i i worked on a few um bad girl books as a colorist and then now that i have a couple of bad girl books under my wing as the creator it, it also is like very special to me because like i said it's the it's that one of my favorite genres and uh i'm just happy to be a part of it yeah yeah it, it sounds like you're a very busy person with with lots of different projects are there um, particular spaces where people can go to kind of see the latest issues and the latest work that you're doing yeah so i'm pretty active on twitter and instagram uh they're both the same it's at nick capone art no spaces no caps and um i usually i'm pretty uh active on instagram in particular uh, i post all my updates for the upcoming kickstarter for issue two of purity launching in march um also i post a lot of sneak peeks sketches of what i'm working on uh obviously there's a few things that i've signed ndas for that i really can't discuss but uh yeah i i, I post pretty frequently of like different things i've worked on um you know i i've also colored for archie i've colored for dynamite image and so I'll post that on there. I worked on, if you're familiar with Stray Dogs mm -hmm. uh, for Image, I've done one of the covers with Bill Walco for that. And uh, yeah, and then for Archie, I did uh, Betty and Veronica summer special cover. And I also did the Archies. It was like a 50th anniversary edition cover of nice. the band. So it was really cool because I grew up, loving Archie um one of my mentors is Fernando Ruiz for years and he taught me the Cupid school as well so I I was an Archie fan for a very long time so it it meant a lot to be able to work on some of those characters very cool very cool mm -hmm. um well, well as we close any final shout outs to collaborators along the way you mentioned a couple of folks yeah absolutely um yeah a shout out to Justin Hunt uh he, like I said, he's the, him and his wife, Amy, are the creators of Ninja Witch. Uh, that book uh, just wrapped up its second issue on Kickstarter, and we're going to be launching issue three, I think, in April. Um, shout out to Sam Quinton of Sinopa Publishing. Uh, he's the co-creator and also writer of Reign of Ages. And uh, we should be working on issue four of Reign of Ages, probably middle of this year. Um, and then obviously my team, Purity, uh, myself, uh, Vaughn Coleman, who's the editor, uh, Toriana Wilkinson, who's the letterer, Fran Crivelli, who's the inker, and um, Adam Watson of Comics Mainstream. He distributes all of my books and also for uh, Sinobo Publishing as well. And uh and then also too, uh, convention wise, uh, I'll be making appearances at if, if you're in the New Jersey area, uh, I will be at all the Garden State shows this year. So there's Garden State Winterfest, which is at the end of January. Uh, then there's Anime Fest in April. Then there's the main Garden State Comic Fest in June. And then there's probably another one happening in like November. And then um, I'm also going to be at 
MegaCon Orlando first week of February. And then May, I'm also going to be in uh, Fan Expo Philly. So um, I, I live in New Jersey. So Philly is fairly local. If you want to call it like that, it's like about yeah. an hour and a half away. Nice. Um, but yeah, those are my uh, current convention appearances. I'm also, you know, shout out a big collaborator. Uh, shout out to the Joe Kubert School. And uh, I always like to endorse that school when I can, because that school really changed my life. And it's out of all the other art schools out there, this school really gets you working. And if you want to work in the commercial field, specifically work in comics, there's no other place than the Kubert School. It really is a great school. I'm one of the instructors there alongside a lot of other big names in the industry. And uh, yeah, I always like, even when... <laughs> Uh, I actually put some ad space in my issue one of Purity. There's a Kubert school ad in the back of the book. And uh, yeah, like like I said, the school, I I owe my career really to that school. So um, yeah, I, I always want to shout them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome to find a collaborative community and people that are willing to kind of point you in the right directions. And, oh, absolutely. And, take the time. and like, even when I just graduated, I was kind of kind of circling the drain a little bit with, you know, trying to find work. And I kind of was stuck for a little bit, but then like my instinct told me go back to the school and mm -hmm. the school helped me out. And like, I like, I learned how to properly network and deal with clients at conventions. I would be invited to go to conventions and uh, teach classes. So they definitely brought me back up on my feet. So yeah, it's a real it's a really, really good school that's located in Dover, New Jersey for whoever's listening. If anyone's interested in attending the school. Um, and like I said, it, it's really great if you want to pursue commercial art, uh, especially in comics, animation, uh, children's books, graphic design. It, there's there's no other place that does it the way we do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny you should mention it because um I was just reading an older issue of Batman yesterday and there was like a one page ad for the Kubert school yep. and I uh, heard wonderful things about it from folks that have come on the show. So yeah, no, it's spread the word. <laughs> we, we still, uh, we still try and get those ads in. I know uh, DC still puts the Kubert school ad in here and there. Andy mm -hmm. is still uh, actively working at DC. So puts the Cuber school ad in there sometimes i think dynamite was doing something a while back with the Cuber school as well um but yeah like that whenever we get a new student and we ask them how they learned about the school they're like oh i was like reading like an issue of batman and i just <laughs> saw the ad in the back of the book and i'm like nice. i love that so much <laughs> yes yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um, well, well, Nick, thank you for the time. Glad to have you back anytime to talk about projects that are on the way. And uh, I appreciate that you're out in the world of comics, sharing stories and uh, elevating fantasy and sci-fi and all the things. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And yeah, I'm 100% down coming on again next time. Sounds great. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, of course. Thank you for having me. Have a good night. You too. Bye.